Praise the Lord, everybody. This is Brother J.W. Brand here at God's Whole Word, and it is good to be with you here on this Tuesday afternoon. Are we running into the evening over here? We are. But it's good to be with y'all, and I'm hoping and praying that you uh, had a blessed weekend. It's always good to uh, just uh, have uh, uh, time to uh, just bask in the presence of the Lord and the goodness of God, and hopefully you had time to worship this weekend. And I know that a lot of folks that serve the Lord, they worship, uh, many of them worship on Sunday, we worship on Saturday, and um, as far as the weekend goes. And, uh, you know, and, and so many people gather uh, to give God praise and to uh, rest in the blessings of God and in uh, the things that Jesus Christ has done for us. He's a good God. Amen. And I'm glad that I know him. Hallelujah. And so we have uh, just uh, exited out, if you will, uh, on a long quest, a fairly long, I guess y'all would say, or I would say myself, uh, that we were studying about the love of God in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, and uh, we moved past that. Now, that certainly doesn't mean we're not going to ever mention God's love because there's certainly it's just uh, something that has been so woven into who God is. You know, the Bible says that God is love. But we entered now into a new study that some people might find a little off-putting. And I said to y'all before when this podcast first started, I said sometime I'm going to say some things that people don't like. And uh, you know what, I'll tell you, like I told my children, you can get glad the same way you got mad, hallelujah. Because God's word is right, and we've got to tell it all. You've got to tell everything about God's word. That's why we call it God's whole word. We don't leave nothing out. We want to tell about it. We want to talk about it. We want to tell what God's word says. And so we've entered into a uh, series of lessons. It might be as long as it was about love, and so it's going to take us a few podcasts to go through. But we're going to be talking about the things that God hates now. We talked about the love of God, but now we're going to be talking about the things that God hates. You say, well, God don't hate nothing. Well, I got news for you. You don't know the Bible, if that's what you think. And so let's go, of course, to the throne of God. Why would we dare go to the word of God and not pray to the Holy One that wrote it in the first place, that put it in the man's heart? Those that he put on fire for him and put in his in their mouth his words. Amen. Hallelujah. Because the word of God tells us those things. And we're going to look at that too. And so let's bow before our holy God, the one that created us. Merciful Jesus, we love you. We worship you. Lord, that's why we study your word, because we want to know what you've got to say, because you left us this instruction book, and we want to get in here, and we want to ask you, Lord, that the Spirit of God would lead us into all truth as your word says, and teach us what thus saith your word. Help us to understand. Open our understanding. Open up our, our eyes of understanding, and let us uh, uh, have our ears opened up that we can hear what you say, Lord. Hallelujah. 
Because our Lord, as you know, the world comes at us with all kinds of things. It tells us all kinds of things and constantly pressing on us all kinds of thoughts and ideas and, and concepts of the world. But Lord, we know you're holy. And so we've got to get the holy word down in us, Lord Jesus. So we ask you, God, to put your holy word in us. And Lord, we know your words say that it doesn't go void. When we get it down in our soul, it's not going to go void. But it's going to teach us. It's going to help us to understand how to grow, how to be who we need to be in you, Jesus. Because we want to be more and more like you each and every day. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And if I was in the house of God, I'd be saying, everybody say amen. Everybody say amen. Hallelujah. And uh, so here we are. All right, so we're talking about the things that God hates. You say, I can't imagine that God hates anything, but he does. And so I certainly want you to understand that uh, we're going to be looking, uh, first of all, uh, in the next few podcasts, uh, it's a list of some things that God uh, hates. That God allowed the writer to make a list of seven things that God hates. Now, I want you to understand this is a, it's certainly not uh, an exhaustive list of the things that God hates. Now, by that I mean this isn't all that God hates, just these seven things. Because, you know, the way humans are, they say, okay, all right, well, I've got that list and now I'm all good as long as I don't do that. No, God's going to continue to teach us uh, what is in his word. So this is not an exhaustive list. And we will, once we have went through that list in the book of Proverbs, we're going to go on to some other things that God uh, says in his word through the mouth of the prophets, men of God that wrote the word of God, and uh, so on and so forth in the Old Testament. We find uh, so many things that God gives us an understanding that there is some things that God just flat out hates. And we've got to know what those things are because you certainly don't want to be caught. Uh, you know, uh, there's, there's a saying that's said a long time ago and people used to say, well, you won't be caught with your pants down, you know, because that it means you got big trouble coming your way. And so uh, we want to make sure that we uh, have got our pants girded up around us. When I talk about pants, I'm talking about the men. Now, you know the Bible does talk about the woman girding up, but uh, she girded up in a different way. And that's a whole other issue, and we'll talk about that later. Uh, but anyway, so uh, the other thing is that uh, God, God gives us this list in his word. Uh, that's You know, it's seven things that moves God in a position of feeling hate. Now, these seven things that we're going to be talking about in the next few podcasts, they are things that puts God in a position to feel hate. Now, I don't mean that God, what I mean by that is that, you know, God don't just run around hating. You know what I'm saying? But God has the ability to hate. Let me ask you something. Don't you have the ability to hate? I, you know, I mean, there's some benign things that we can hate. You say, well, what do you mean by that? Well, I was having a discussion with some folk not too long ago, and we were laughing about it and all, because uh, I love, it. now it's got to be cooked right, but I just love liver and onion gravy, liver with, fried up liver with liver and onion gravy over mashed potatoes. It's just, I just, I tell you, I feel like I'm in heaven. 
as long as it's cooked good and it's tender, you know, the meat's tender and all. I just love that. And a good gravy, the way it's made with the onions, big old chunks of fried up onions. And I tell you, it's just, to me, it's just delicious. But, you know, I was having a discussion. There was two folks up in the house and they said, oh, no, we can't stand that. Oh, no, uh-uh. Well, I, oh, I can't stand it. I hate liver. I just can't stand it. Now, those are benign things. You know, you hating to want to, you know, eat liver ain't going to keep you out of heaven. You know what I'm saying? And me loving liver and onion, liver and onion gravy. Now, I don't just like any old liver cooked. I remember back in the day, many, many, many years ago, people boiled liver. Well, I hated that. I couldn't stand that. Just like zucchini. Well, I know when I was young, some people boiled it. Well, I hated it. Because it was so slimy and nasty, I didn't like it. And uh, I, I just said, child, I hate that. I don't, I don't care what season you put on it. I don't care if it is floating in butter, because back then they put butter and everything. And uh, I said, no, nah, I hate it. Well, when I got older, I learned how to, you know, stir fry it and all, and, and just uh, different things you could do with it. And I like it. Now, I certainly like zucchini bread. That's good stuff. But you know, some people, no matter how you cook it, they say, no, I don't, I hate zucchini, I don't like it. So, you know, there's things that we can not like, that we can just flat out hate. You know, some people, uh, they, there's certain smells, you know, that people will, they will say, well, I, I don't like the way that smell is just nasty to me. And other folks say, well, I like the way that smells. And so, you know, we're created in such a way that we do have our own personalities and we got we got our own uh, way about things, you know, as far as that goes. So we, I want you to keep that in mind when we get on down here talking about this lesson today because that is certainly an important thing about uh, our personalities and how God made each and every one of us different, you know, because some people, they, they love the taste of certain things and some people don't. But So that, that's an important thing when we're talking about hate. It certainly is an important thing. But I want you to understand that there are certain things in this list in the book of Proverbs uh, in chapter 6. It is a list that certainly moves God into a position of feeling hate towards those things. And, uh, you know, I, I want you to understand that. And we all got to understand that. And I need to understand that. And God helped me to understand it a while ago as I... You know, kept studying the Word of God, and God helped. I said, well, Lord, how can you hate? You've got to love. How can you hate? And, you know, it started new as a Christian. You know, you're learning things. And then God began to slowly but surely open my eyes up to understand, you know, there are some things that God hates, and, and we got to understand that ourselves. As a people of God, if you're going to follow the Lord Jesus Christ, you're going to have to know about the God you serve. Amen. All right, so we want to move on. Uh, into Proverbs chapter 13 uh, here in a moment. But, but first thing I want to do before we go to, I'm going to give you that so that you can find your way. Now I am looking in King James Version. I don't look at the New King James Version. When I get on these podcasts or if I'm preaching, uh, uh, we have what's called the Eunuch Preacher that you find on the YouTube. It's called the Eunuch Preacher. Uh, Eunuch is spelled capital E U. 
N-U-C-H, the unit preacher. And we got our worship service on Saturdays. And we just, uh, I mean, we just have ourselves, we're Pentecostal. And I'm telling you what, we just have a good old time in the Lord, worshiping the Lord and giving him praise and, and all of that shouting and dancing and giving God praise. And then reaching the lost with a message that reaches the lost. And uh, we've got plenty of time of prayer and just having a real good time in the Lord. And then on Wednesdays, uh, also on the unit preacher on Wednesdays, uh, we have uh, much less singing, much, much, much less uh, singing. Um, we have lots and lots of singing on our Sabbath service on Saturday uh, under the unit preacher that you'll find on the YouTube. Uh, but uh, on, on uh, Wednesday, we, we want to, uh, not that we don't want to sing to the Lord, but we do have a song or two we sing. And of course we pray because the Bible says uh, that his house should be a house of, be called a house of prayer. So we certainly, we pray uh, beginning, middle, and end. You know, that's just the way that it is. But uh, we, we center on Wednesdays to study. You know, for those that have come to know the Lord Jesus Christ, those that have come to put their faith in the Lord, uh, we want to teach them how to walk with the Lord because, uh, you know, uh, we believe uh, that uh, the thing to do is to reach and then to preach, you got to preach Jesus Christ and Him crucified, and then begin to teach folks how to serve Him, how to walk with Him, and how to live for Him. And so that's what we do on our Wednesdays on the YouTube, uh, the Eunuch Preacher. But here on God's whole Word, it is what you would say. I guess you could say it's just like um, we slow way down. I'm not in a preaching mode. I, I might get to a preaching mode. Sometimes it's hit me, and I do. But uh, I'm more or less trying to, it's an extension of Bible study and trying to uh, come more down on a uh, kind of a more relaxed atmosphere. I'm here in my podcast room. It's one of the bedrooms in our house. I turned into a podcast room. Uh, it's also used to, intermittently when needed uh, because it's a big enough bedroom. We use it for guest room also when company come. But um, in any event, uh, we got this set up for this, and we we endeavored to do this because uh, so many people uh, they seem to be so limited in their knowledge of the Word of God, and it is really sad. And I don't know uh, if it's because people don't go to church enough on their Wednesday night Bible studies, because I know that a lot of churches. Now, I'm not saying Wednesday got to be the night you going to have your Bible study a lot, but many, many churches do that, and that's why I say that. We do that too, but I know of some churches, they have Tuesday night Bible study, or they got Thursday night Bible study, whatever, but most churches do. They got time, you know, they set aside to uh, study, you know, the Word of God together and all, and uh, we certainly should not be forsaken something of ourselves together when God calls us together. Uh, you know, if it's set up in your church to be there for Bible study on Wednesday, then you should make every uh, every effort to be there because that's when we grow, y'all. So whatever church you go to, if they got Bible study, whatever it is, Thursday, Wednesday, Tuesday, uh, you know, make your way. You say, well, I'm tired. Well, I'm tired too, you know. And what do you think about that preacher that took the time to study the Word of God to bring the, the food for your soul? And then you're not there. That don't work. God wants you to be there for you to be grazing and eating spiritually. Why do you think so many people are weak and falling out and not living for God because they don't get the word of God in them and they're not strong in the spirit? It's the truth, amen, and you know it. All right. So uh, I'm going to read this list. Uh, this list came from our 40th podcast, which was uh, this last Friday. 
And uh, we, I just wanted to touch on it because last week we started and we were talking. You, know, you can go back and look at that podcast. I don't want to uh, repeat everything I said. But um, in any event, I'm going to read this list of the things that are in Proverbs chapter 6, verses 16 through 19, because we're going to uh, be looking at this list. Uh, I don't know that we're going to so much as get to this list uh today per se because we're going to talk about a few things along the way to kind of uh, set up our foundation as to what we're saying and why we're saying it because you know when you say god hates certain things some people they get really rattled y'all know what i mean i mean some people they get rattled they get mad they get irritated oh that's the god of the old testament well who do you think jesus is I've heard people say that. Oh, the God of the Old Testament, that was an angry God, but Jesus is a loving God. No, uh uh-uh. Jesus is the same God that was in the Old Testament, the same exact God. They ain't no different. And, uh, you know, some people, they don't understand that. God came in the flesh. God robed himself in flesh, and he came, and, and Jesus wants to express to us and explain to us uh, you know, some of the things that people just weren't getting and they just weren't understanding. And Jesus went into those details in the Word of God. And uh, and he trained his apostles. And then his apostles, of course, they wrote uh, all these letters to the church that predominantly uh, were written by the Apostle Paul, but some of them by Peter and a and, uh, different one. But but the thing of it is that, um, you know, you, you, you've got, you cannot just take part of the Word of God. Jesus made it clear, uh, straight to the devil himself when jesus was in the wilderness and he was battling uh you know uh, the devil because he was there and he was being tempted well the lord was tempted and he overcame and so you can put your faith in jesus christ and know that if you put your faith in him you can be an overcomer because jesus overcame but i'm gonna tell you what when uh, the lord uh, was fighting that devil and that devil tempted him and he knew that jesus was hungry he said why don't you take those stones and turn them into bread? It's going to turn them into bread, Jesus. If you're the Son of God, go on ahead and do it. And the Lord said, you know what? Let me tell you something, devil. He said, man shall live by bread, not going to live by bread alone. That's not the only thing we're supposed to be living by. You know, that feeds your flesh. You know, you sitting there having me sitting there having a plate of liver and onions and gravy and all that. That's just feeding my flesh. That's not feeding my soul. You sit down and have a big old piece of chocolate cake and ice cream. That's not feeding your soul. It's feeding your flesh, and you know it. You have yourself a big old chef salad. You won't get healthy. You're gonna have a chef salad. I eat a lot of salad. Uh, but you know you're gonna do that. Well, that's feeding your body. That ain't gonna feed your soul. Not at all. But God made it clear, and he spoke through the mouth of Jesus, and he said to that devil, he said, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word, every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So don't tell me you're going to leave some of the word out. Because Jesus told the devil, that's not true. That man, and that word man, translates every human being. Now, I don't want you, I don't want nobody being a whiny, honey little wishy-washy christian oh i don't like the way it says man (laughs) you know you need to stop all that it's just ridiculous because all you got to do is listen to a man of god that's going to be willing to translate it and i know that word man meant it meant every human being 
So get off your whiny horse and let's get to studying the word of God and stop being a crybaby. And I'm not being mean, but enough is enough. People need to stop being so uh, such babies in the Lord because the Apostle Paul said, you know, you're just still sucking up on the milk. You still got yourself sucking up on that milk and nobody can even feed you no meat because you're choked to death. Well, you know what? You got to grow in the Lord. You can't just sit there and keep on being a whiny baby and keep having to have milk because you ain't grown up in the Lord. You got to grow up in the Lord. Amen and hallelujah. Amen. Praise God. So, in Proverbs chapter 6, and I, you know, before I go on, listen, I'm not being mean. You say, well, you sound mean. You sound hateful. No, I love everybody. Why do you think I even take... Why bother taking the time to do all this? Don't you know the reason why I won't do this? Because I'm trying to help people that maybe don't get enough of the word. You know, maybe you don't get to your Wednesday night Bible study for whatever reason. Now, I want to say this. Some people, it could be because their job is... is uh, you know, not allowing them to be able to be, you know, because the Bible does say that you're worse than infidel if you don't take care of your family. So I, I do understand. But you can't miss every every uh, church service. Now, if you're going to be missing every church service, you're going to have to find a different job. You have to do something else because if you never at the house of God and you always using the excuse, I can't make it out. Because listen, when you get to the house of God, you see God has given everybody different gifts and we're there to minister to one another and to help one another and to bless one another. Amen. So you can't sit there and be an island to yourself and just say, well, I'm just going to worship at home and all of that. Well, that's all fine and well. You're supposed to worship at home, but you're also not supposed to forsake yourself as, you know, together, uh, an assembly together that come together and worship the Lord together because there are benefits that come to that and with that. And so we got to make sure that we do that. So, you know, I'm not telling people run out and quit your job. I'm just saying start praying. If it is that just every single time you turn around that you can't get to the house of God, no service, no how, no way, then, then you start praying. And you say, Lord, I know I'm supposed to provide for my family. But, Lord, I need you to help me because I need to be fed. I need to be in the house of God. I need to be benefited uh, to those things that, that bless my soul being around the people of God. And so help me, Lord. And help me to find a job or help me to change my schedule or whatever. And God is able to do that. He will hear the prayer and the cry of those that are faithful. Yes, he will. Amen. So let's move on. So the things that God hates. Proverbs 6, chapter uh, chapter 6, and verse 16 through 19 uh, I'm not reading the scripture per, uh, verbatim. What I'm doing is I gave a list and I wrote the list down. If you want to read it, I would encourage you, get the Word of God and read it because when we read the Word of God, it feeds our soul. So what I did was I just kind of surmised these things, not surmised, but um, just kind of uh, put them up in short form. So in Proverbs 6 uh, uh, and verses 16 through 19, the first thing that's listed is a proud look. Pride. God hates that. The second thing that's listed is a lying tongue. God don't want no liars. Don't you know the Bible says all liars are going to go to, into the lake of fire? Amen. Verse, th uh, the, not verse, th well, it is, it's not verse three, but it's the third thing listed. Hands that shed innocent blood. You better think about that with them babies being aborted. Now, I know people don't like me saying that, but I'm going to tell you what. The truth is truth. I don't care how mad you get. Truth is truth. So, Hands that shed innocent blood. And the other thing that God hates, and the Bible says God hates it. You better hear that. God hates a heart that devises wicked imaginations. And that word imaginations means plots and intentions. You know, we just heard yesterday, and I was just so saddened. It just 
absolutely broke my heart that somebody went into a Christian school and shot up, uh, you know, the school and, and shot children and, and, and literally killed children, killed uh, people um, there that worked there as well in a Christian school. I mean, it's just mind-boggling that people are becoming so wicked and evil. And uh, I am not going to leave this out. And I know it's going to make some folks hot mad, but I flat out do not care. But it was done by somebody that called themselves a transgender. It was a woman who had tried to transgender or tra change or whatever you want to call it uh, into a man. And she apparently, and I'm going to name her as a she because God, he decided what she was. It wasn't something that, uh, oh, they pronounced them as, as female or male. No, you are what you are. You, you're born with a penis, you're a man, or you're a male. You're born with a vagina, you're a girl. And we're not going to get into all that other stuff that people like to bring up that is, is neither here nor there because the majority of people, that is how they're born. And then Jesus only spoke of one other uh, group called the eunuch. And so, but nevertheless, the eunuchs are either a male eunuch or a female eunuch. It's one way or another. And so our hearts go out to them. We certainly are keeping them in our prayer. And I would certainly ask that anyone uh, would certainly take these families to prayer because they're grieving. It's a deep and heavy grief when your child dies. And I know that personally myself. I have a son that died less than, well, about now, seven months ago, less than, it's a pain. It's, it, it's a pain that is very difficult to deal with. And you, you do what you can to get through. But I'm telling you what, people, uh, these little children, now my son was 22 when he died, but these, these children here, they were little children, like nine years old, I think some maybe eight years old. And then those that worked there, you know, given their life to work there, even the janitor, they killed the janitor. And so it's just a horrible thing that's going on. But I'll tell you what, God hates that. God hates that stuff. Amen. You shed an innocent blood, God hates it. And he means what he says when he says he hates it. And so, uh, and then it says, uh, God hates those that devise wicked imag imaginations and plots. That person, uh, they found a manifesto and all kinds of stuff. Plotting out, they were even going to go to another school and shoot another school up. So these plots and intentions that are wicked and evil and ungodly, God hates it. Amen. Hallelujah. God hates it. He don't like that mess. And I'll tell you, this is, and I, my heart goes out to everybody. I believe that the house of God, uh, the Bible says in Isaiah 56, that the, in verse 7, that the house of God is a house of prayer for all people. And I believe that. Yes, I do. But I'll tell you what, God has created us as he wants us to be. And uh, when we try to meddle around with things, and uh, we, or if we, you know, and I'm not saying people don't have a struggle. I honestly believe that people that deal with this transgender issue, uh, that there is some emotional struggles and, and things that are going on. I'm not saying that there's not. I've certainly got a love in my heart for, for these folks. And, and want them to know that the Lord loves them. He absolutely cares about them and, and loves them with all of his heart. And he died for every one of us, including those that are transgender. Now, I believe that. And when I say transgender, I'm not giving no, no uh, word of approval to it. Not at all. That's not why I'm saying that. I'm saying that because that's what they call themselves. But 
what I am saying is this, what you're doing is you're, you know, you remember a long time ago, there was a movie, movies that came out called uh, Transformers, and my kids, some of them, they liked watching uh, what some of those were back in the day when I, you know, was watching a little bit more TV than what I do now, and don't hardly ever watch it anymore. But uh, anyway, but the theme it is, these cars or whatever, they look like a car, the next thing you know, they're, transgen they're, they're uh, transforming, excuse me, into some other thing, robot or whatever you want to call it. Well, you know, in all of that, and in all of the things that we uh, are entertained with, you understand, we can somehow as human beings start grasping on to things that are not reality. Because the reality is that God has been the one to decide and choose who we are and what he wants us to be. God chooses that. It's not something that was chosen, uh, you know, by the doctors in the room or the parents in the room or anything else. Oh, this was, you know, what was put on them when they were born. This was what was said over them, or this was what was spoken of. No, if they had a penis, they said, oh, this is a boy, because boys have penises. Men have penises. If it was a, a, one that was born with a vagina, they said, this is a girl, because they had a vagina. This is going to be a woman one day, because of, there's a vagina. And, and, you know, and what happens is, these people that get these groups going, and they've got imaginations and plots that are not right with God, because you stand against the fact that God is the creator. And I'm going to talk about that another time. I don't want to get off too much of these things, but I do want to express in a, in a, in this because God says that he hates those that plot. They plot evil, wicked imaginations. And when you stand against God and you decide that you're going to do things your way and that God's way is wrong, that God's choice is, and what he wanted you to be was not correct and that you feel like you're in the wrong body. It's not that I don't believe that they don't have a struggle. I don't, I, I don't absolutely uh, do not believe that there's not some kind of emotional struggle there. Because, you know, there's some of them, they say, well, I just feel like I want to die and that kind of thing. Well, listen, that means there's, there's emotional problems there. And you have to face that. There's nothing shameful about having emotional problems. There's nothing shameful. Now, I know that in time past, a lot of people put shame on people that had emotional problems and struggles and all that kind of thing. And I had my own in the past and and just different things that I've had to deal with over time. Uh, you know, and uh, I was raised by two mentally ill parents. Now, one was my step-parent, my stepfather, one was my mother, but they had schizophrenia. They had uh, just, uh, you know, just different things that anxiety, heavy anxiety and depression, all kinds of things dealing uh, with. But listen, people have come far enough that we know that there's a lot of folks that deal with emotional struggles and, and problems and different things. And this certainly will fit this category, not because it won't be mean and hateful to you, but see, this is the thing, this young lady, she was... I read in another place where it said that she resented having had gone to that school. She had went to that Christian school when she was young, and apparently she resented it. Uh, but that's where she went. And uh, and then turns around and has 
this wicked imagination or plot or intent to, to kill and do. Now, I do want to say this. You know, there are people left behind that is uh, struggling and sad and they're missing their children and their children have been murdered. And there are people that work there. They Their loved ones have been murdered. And, and we certainly, our heart goes out to them and we want to pray for them. But I know that I'm, I'm getting ready to bite off a, a big bunch of something to chew right here when I say this next thing. And I know some people are probably going to be angry at me and all of that. Well, I'm going to tell you again. I told my kids, you can get glad the same way you got mad because the Lord's words are still the same. Jesus tells us to love our enemy. Now, what I'm going to say to you is this. The parents of this young lady, let's not be so heartless and ungodly. Now, I'm talking to people that serve in the Lord. If you say you serve the Lord, what the world does, the world is going to do. And the world tries to make themselves look righteous. That's what they do. They try to make themselves look righteous with certain things that don't have anything to do with true righteousness because our righteousness is a filthy rags. If you don't have Jesus Christ and you're not serving him, walking with him, you don't have righteousness at all. You just, you just play in a game. But the Lord does tell us to love our enemy. Now, if you really think about it, listen, you know, these parents are probably struggling themselves and they've lost their daughter as well because she was shot by the police and they had to do something to stop the shooter because the shooter could have just kept on going and killing more and more people. And plus there are those that have been shot that are in the hospital and we grieve at the loss of these people. And we are, we are saddened that, you know, people can be so wicked and ungodly that they will climb up into or shoot their way through a Christian school, somewhere where God's love is taught and, and you say, well, why did that person become so angry and want to kill him? Well, that person had emotional problems, obviously. They had very deep, heavy emotional problems. And so let's not take that out on those parents, the one that lost their daughter too, because they need prayer too. They need for us to pray for them too, because... Not only that, but they lost their daughter, but they probably got so many people in America that are turning towards them. Because I know how it goes. I've seen it happen. I've seen it happen many a time. And people turn towards the parents. Now, sometimes the parents are the problem. I, I, I do understand that. There are times that when you begin to, to look at the parents and you begin to study what's going on in their lives and that kind of thing, sometimes the parents are at fault with a lot of things that they did. But let's not jump to conclusions and make false accusation because the Lord is not going to be pleased with that either because that's in one of his lists. He doesn't want us to be false um, false accusers and people that run our mouths and say something falsely because you don't know uh, all of the situation. I don't know all the situation. And so we need to let uh, the uh, everybody that's involved that's uh, trying to solve this issue as far as uh, what happened, what was involved, and all those things, let people do their jobs, and don't don't get on the the YouTubes and all that, and just start blasting these parents because you don't even know really what the whole situation is right now. So let's be careful what we do and what we say. But uh, certainly, 
my heart is just, it's devastating. It's devastating to anybody that's got any children to know that you can send your children to school and then next thing you know, they're not coming home. And so these people, they have a deep, heavy burden to carry right now. It is probably the hardest thing that they will ever have to deal with in their life. And they need our help. You say, well, how can we help? As Christians, the first thing we can do is to pray for them, for God to send his comforter. The Bible talks about the Holy Ghost being a comforter, and God wants us to certainly to pray. He said that, you know, when when those that are, you know, going through things, we are supposed to be there for them. If you claim to follow the Lord Jesus Christ, and maybe they don't fit your affiliation or your religion and all of that, I know that they are of a different uh, religion than, I mean, they believe in Christ. I'm not saying they don't, but certainly different from us. We were Pentecostal. But but nevertheless, um, when we, we're all claiming to follow the Lord Jesus Christ, we need to be able to stand up and say, look, let's pray for these folks. Let's Let's band together and let's pray for these folks and let's really uh, reach out to God and cry out to God to bring comfort to these families. And uh, let me say something about the little children that died. You know, the Lord, He loves little children. You see it in the Word. And the Lord, He is there to take those children by the hand and to guide them to be with Him. And I've got plenty of verses of Scripture. I know there's some preachers that would probably argue with me, but uh, you got your right to be wrong. Uh, or, you know, sometimes I say that, and some people say, well, you shouldn't say that because it's pride. It sounds like pride. Well, let me just say this then. The Lord, He made it very clear that we should not hurt little children. And... Uh, we should not cause them in any way, shape, or form to be hurt or to cause them to sin or, or any of those things. God said, suffer the little children to come unto me. Now that word suffer, it means to let. That's what that word suffer means. It means to let. Let them come to him. Because the Lord has the children at his heart. Because he said even the little children, he said we've got to become like little children. These little children, they were innocent. They went to school just you know, as innocent little children, not knowing that their lives were going to be taken that day by someone that had wicked intentions and motives that the Bible calls wicked imaginations. So let's move on from there. So it says that God hates a proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, which is what was done yesterday, a heart that devises wicked imaginations, that was also done. There was manifestos that were found and plans to do. And then certainly uh, the next thing also says feet that are quick to run to mischief or wickedness or ungodliness or hurt to others. That also was done yesterday. And then uh, the next thing is false witness, speaking false lies. Let's be careful. Please do not jump to conclusions about this woman's parents. You, you just don't know. And a matter of fact, if you're a Christian, you certainly ought not be doing that. You certainly ought not be doing that. And, uh, you know, this is not a time. And I know a lot of people want to do this, but this is not a time for political issues to come up. Do you hear me? 
You need to stop that. Everyone in you need to shut your mouth about anything political. And I mean anything. Shut your mouth. And I mean that. You say, you ain't got no right as a preacher. To say, oh, uh, you know what? The person, apostle, apostle, you know what the word of God. Y'all need to know the word of God. He said their mouths must be stopped. If you're going to be a false witness, you're going to be somebody that ain't going to tell what the word of God says, then sit down and shut your mouth. Amen and hallelujah. And so, with that said, there are some folks that are just going to be mean and hateful and say anything about anybody concerning this situation. But what I want to say is, people, do not open your mouth and use this time to be a political issue. This is not time for that. It ain't time for that. Let these people grieve. You hear that? Now you better hear that because if you don't want to hear it from the preacher, you better hear it from the word of God. He said there's a time to grieve. He didn't say there's a time to be political. He said there's a time to grieve. Let them grieve. Their children just died yesterday. So let them grieve. You understand that? Now, I say that as a stern word from a pastor, and I don't mean to be, you know, some people that say, you just, you just got such a crude mouth. No, God put a fire in my mouth, and he said to go tell them, and he said, don't be afraid of their faces, so I'm going to tell you. You say, well, I can't even see your face. You can see my face. If you won't go on the YouTube preacher, you can see my face. Hmm? And you, you don't like what I say? Well, I've, I've said to my family, I've told, I said, you know, I said, I don't know, the more these YouTube go out, I said, I know some people are going to get mad at me. Because God told me, he said, you, you tell it, and you tell what I tell you to say, and you obey what I say. And I said, Lord, you know people are going to get mad. And the Lord said, yeah, they're going to do that. They're going to be angry. And he said, not only are they going to be angry, he said, they're going to be angry on both sides, the left and the right. He said, but you tell them what I said. So I'm telling you what he said. But he, and, and I tell you what, I got the word to back me up. The word of God says there's a time to grieve. Let them grieve. Okay? You don't need to be running your mouth all the way from the leader of the country to anybody else in government or anywhere else. You need to just be quiet and let these folks grieve. Y'all hear that? Now let's move on to the word. And so... Also, the seventh thing that's listed, because God had listed seven things uh, for the um, King Solomon uh, to write, and that seventh thing is those that sow discord among the brethren. Now that brethren, word brethren, uh, certainly meant their families and all of that, but this can also apply to the house of God. And sowing discord among the family, among churches and all that, where you just get in there and you're always just trying to stir things up to where nobody can be at peace with one another and nobody can uh, be able to come together and, and have a, you know, a time of, of uh, fellowship and, and enjoying each other's company because somebody's always stirring something up, some kind of discord to cause one problem or another to come, come along. And God said he hates that. He don't, he don't like that. Yeah, and he don't just like it. It says he hates it. All right. So there's that list now. 
And so, uh, there are things that God hates. And like I said, that list there is the seven things. It's not an exhaustive list because we're going to go on with some other things as we move along this podcast. But we're going to go to Proverbs 8 and chapter, uh, or chapter 8 and verse 13. All right? Now, hopefully you were there and you found your place there. We're in the King James Version. Chapter 8 of the book of Proverbs, and we're going to verse 13. All right. And so the word of God says, The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say it again. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. If you're going to fear the Lord, you're going to have to hate evil. You, you can't be joy, joyful about evil things. You know, that's the reason why you got to watch out what you're watching on that one-eyed demon. You say, what's a one-eyed demon? I, uh, that television is a one-eyed demon. Huh? That's what I call it. I, I tell people, you're going to have that thing in your house. I said, you better control it. I got one in my house, but I'll tell you what, that, that one-eyed demon ain't going to do, uh, people are not going to take it and just let whatever come across. Because if God's word says, look, this, we're going to have to look at the word of God. And what does God's word say? What, what does God's word say? And then apply it to that. And you know what some people are doing? They're looking at certain things in the word of God. They're not looking at the holiness of God. They're looking at certain things that God expressed in the word of God in order for us to understand good and evil and to understand what we're supposed to hate and what we're supposed to love. You say, we're not supposed to hate. Uh, chapter 8, verse 13 of the book of Proverbs, the fear of the Lord is to hate evil. Hmm? What happened yesterday, every Christian should hate what happened yesterday. Absolutely, you should hate what happened yesterday. If there is anybody that is joying over that, you're wicked and evil. Mm -hmm. And so the verse goes on to say, the fear of the Lord is to hate evil. Pride and arrogance, arrogancy. Pride and arrogancy. Well, there was a lot of pride going on in that sin yesterday. Mm. Oh, yeah. You, you're going to try to take the place of God. Anybody that makes your mind up that you want to go shooting up people, what you're trying to do is you're trying to take the place of God like you are to be able to make the choice on all of these things. That's pride and arrogancy to a, a greater height. And I say that to anybody that's still alive that you got a mind to go uh, doing what God said he hates, and that is planning imagine, wicked imaginations out. And I say that because a lot of time what happens is after one person does, somebody else goes along does it too afterwards. And you know it's true. You know that's true. So I, I'm going to say to anybody that may hear this podcast, because God can do anything. God can. I know my podcast might not be the easiest thing to find right now, but I'm going to tell you what. God can make a way because I serve a mighty God. I serve a God full of power. Hallelujah. And he's able to do anything. And so if God uh, instructs you or guides you one way or another to this podcast and you are one that is planning some more of this evil out, this kind of thing, you better hear God. God hates that and you better stop it because you're going to meet him. Oh, yeah. You're going to meet him and you're going to meet him in judgment. And you're not going to have nothing to say. Hmm? Because God is a judge and God is full of power. You're going to meet him. Everybody. All of us. Every one of us. Those of you that think you're holy and you behaving the way you're behaving, 
you're getting on the phones and committing adultery and you think because you nobody else knows you forget God sees everything you're doing you nasty little thing you better stop that you better repent you better turn around because God don't like that and anything else that we're doing you think your little lies are okay you think because you got Jesus I got Jesus on my side so if I tell a little lie now and then it's no big deal is that right well, the Bible says that all liars so you keep doing it and you won't repent of it and you just keep doing it because you think it ain't no big deal because you got Jesus on your side. The Bible says all liars are going to have their part in the lake of fire. Is that what you want? Huh? You better listen to God's word because he's not playing. You think just because you got Jesus on your side that you can sit there and just keep lying and lying and lying? You think Jesus is going to protect you? No, he's already told you. Look, you're going to serve him? He says repent. you got to quit your lying. Quit your adultery. Huh? He said, those that lie, lie no more. Those that steal, steal no more. You know what they did with the man that was committing adultery in the church? They, they kicked him out. Look it up in the, in the book of Corinthians. They kicked him out. The apostle Paul said, what are you doing with letting him sit there and, and him and that woman he's got in adultery? And don't you know he was having sex with his own mother or his stepmother, whoever she was, but it was his father's wife. And God said, remove him. He had not... You ought not be joying in the fact that you know he's sinning and you're just letting it go. No, sin's got to be dealt with. Amen. And that's all sin. Amen. You're, it's pride that rises you up to think that you need to use this moment as a political moment. That's pride. You need to sit down and be quiet and let these people grieve. Now, there's going to be a time for you to say something, if need be, whatever needs to be said. But you know what? Both sides of this issue, everybody just fighting like crazy. And the one thing you need to do is you need to bow down to God and pray to God for an answer. But you think people want to do that? No, everybody wants to take the Bible and just throw it out the window. Everybody wants to take God and just say, we don't want to hear what you got to say. Well, why do you think America's in the mess it's in? Amen says the fear of the Lord is to hate evil. Pride and arrogancy and the evil way. Now some people say, well, I'm not evil. If you sin, that's evil. You say, well, the Bible says all sin and come short of the glory of God. Why do you think the Bible says we got to repent? Huh? That's what it says. Amen. And then it says in verse 13, and the forward mouth do I hate. Now God is saying, he said, look, he said, you're supposed to hate evil. That's what he's saying. He said, if you're going to fear me, you're supposed to hate evil. He said, in pride and arrogance, the evil way in a forward mouth, he said, I hate that. So he's talking about the actions, you see. He's talking about the actions. He's talking about uh, those uh, things that people do. And, you know, they, 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 they move in their prideful ways. They move in the ways that they think they ought to, uh, things ought to go my way, they say. I've got the best thought about things. I've got the best idea about what needs to be done. No, you don't. Huh? No, you don't. I don't care how much each side says that their side is the best thing to do. And when I'm talking about that, I'm talking about all oh, everybody on whatever side you're going on. 
Hmm? Whatever it is you're going on with, what you have to do is you've got to go to God because God is the one with the answer. The problem is sin. That is, y'all understand that? The problem is not because of some other thought that some one political party got an idea about or another political party got an idea about. No, the problem is sin, you see. Sin. And we've got to go to God. We need God to help us. But nobody want to do that. Everybody want to, you know, they want to do one thing or another. Huh? Because you got you got one group saying one thing, you got another group saying another thing. I'm not gonna talk about those things. You see? I, I'm not I'm not gonna get into the detail of it. You say, well, it's because you're a religious thing or whatever, blah, blah, blah. No, I'm not gonna get into that because you're supposed to be focusing on the word of God if you're gonna be a Christian. Now the world, they're going to act the way they act. They're going to behave the way they behave. And they're going to stand against the word of God. But if you're going to be, y'all going to be somebody that's going to preach the word. You're going to be somebody that say you love Jesus. You're going to say, I, I stand on the word. I stand on the word. Do you? Do you really stand on the word? Do you really walk with the Lord? Because he said fear of the Lord is to hate evil. Do you hate evil? And you know what the next thing people will say? Well... That's your definition. No, it ain't. Evil in God's word is expressed and explained many times over. And then you know what the next thing is said? Oh, well, that's out of that book written by men. Oh, no, 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 no. The Bible makes it very clear it's not written by men. Very, very clear. But you know, people want to do anything they can to stand against God and to stand against his word. Now, let's go to Proverbs chapter 1 and verse 7. And what does it say? It says in Proverbs chapter 1 and verse 7, it says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. That means when you learn to fear God, you now you're becoming smart. That's what it means. Now you're getting some knowledge. Now you're getting smart. Now you're getting some wisdom. But the fear of the Lord is the beginning of those things. You begin to learn about the right things to know, you see. And then we go on to Proverbs chapter 10. I'm going to move on down. Proverbs chapter 10. And verse 29. And the word of God says, The way of the Lord is strength to the upright. Now that means, that word way, it means the road that God takes you down. God's road. God is not going to take you down a different road than he takes somebody else down. No, if you're going to go God, down God's road, everybody's going to be on the same road, and it's a narrow road. The Bible talk about the wide road and the narrow road. You go down God's road, I'm going to tell you what, the road of God is a narrow road. Don't you know that means there ain't room for a bunch of nonsense? Amen and hallelujah. And so... It says the way of the Lord is strength to the upright. In other words, if we do what God says, it gives us strength. You say, well, but if we do what God says, sometimes there are people getting mad at you. You better believe we do. I've had people mad at me. I've had people literally punch me and knock me down. I've had people threaten me to kill me. I'm not kidding. And I'm going to tell you what. 
I am still here. Hallelujah. I'm almost 63 years old and I'm still here and I'm still standing and I'm going to keep on talking about the Lord and I'm going to keep on talking about the truth because it's right and it gives you strength. Oh, yes, it does. It gives you strength. I feel that my preaching spirit coming on today. Hallelujah. Now, or the spirit of preaching, excuse me. It ain't my spirit. But the spirit of preaching. And then at the other end of verse 29, it says, but destruction. Do you know what destruction means? Do you have to be explained what destruction means? It says, but destruction shall be to the workers of iniquity. Now, let's talk about workers of iniquity. What do I mean? When you see that, it's in plural. Workers. It means those that continue to do it. You have no mind to repent. You just keep doing it and doing it and doing it and doing it. And you do not want to repent. So that's what it means by workers. Okay? But somebody who repents, they're no longer a they're no longer workers. They've put a stop to those things or should have. And what does the word iniquity mean? It flat out means sin. To put it in short term, it means sin. There's other definitions, but it goes into all the detail of sin, but it's sin. So destruction, it says, shall be to the workers, those that continue, and you're not going to repent. That's the reason why the word of God says, if you lie, you, the, uh, liars lie no more, and, the, and those that steal, steal no more. There's supposed to be a change. You're supposed to be a new creature when you come to the Lord. You're not supposed to be the same. And so the Lord is going to give us strength to the upright. Well, you know, it says the way, the way that we walk, the way that we serve God, that is what's going to give us strength. And some people, they look at you and they think, well, you're crazy the way you live. You know, you, the world is, I hear this over and over, the world is changing. And your point is what? Don't you know the Bible says that? That's not something the Bible don't say. It says the world was going to change. It says the world was going to stand against the word of God. It says the world was going to stand against truth. It says the world was going to hate God. That's what it says. So we know that. So why are you going to keep repeating it? Huh? We know the world is changing. But that don't make it right. Amen. That's the truth. Don't make it right just because it's changing. But the thing is, the Bible says God don't change. God don't change. And when you follow him, you're going to be following an unchanging God so you can't be changing with the times, you see. Now, I'm not talking about some innocent things that are not ungodly that might change, okay? Such as, you know, certain things, you know, there are certain things that are not considered ungodly or wicked or whatever. You know, for instance, you know, our, our clothing has changed over a period of time. But the what you know, the styles and that kind of thing. But the thing that should never change is the fact that God said to dress modestly. That don't change. That should never change, not for a child of God. So even though you may, you know, the style of, of the dress for the women or the skirts for the women and, and the style of, of what the men wore and the, uh, the pants and the shirts they got going on, and everything, whatever, whatever that it looked like then, it might have changed some, adjusted some, the fashion and all of that. You know, because I've heard and saw, you know, when you go to some of these places like uh, old uh, homes that were back 
back a long days ago, 100 years ago, you know, and you go in there and you look at the things that they wore and all that kind of stuff. And, and there's a lot of things that the women had to wear and they said some of these things that were underneath the clothes, it literally caused them to pass out because it was so uh, cumbersome and difficult and that kind of thing. But you fast forward today to today, that don't mean that modesties went out the window, but that's not what a lot of Christians, they won't run around in their short shorts and, and having their uh, breasts halfway hanging out and jiggling everywhere and call themselves a Christian. Huh? God didn't change about his modesty. When my children and us, we took kids to the to to a, a, a pool to swim in, I tell you what, we didn't look like everybody else. We did not. And, and even the boys and uh, myself would put on a swim shirt. We won't sit, sit there and, and, and be half naked. It ain't nobody's business. Not going to be doing that. You don't need to see nothing. I didn't have nothing to show anyway, but I'm just saying, even if it did, uh, no. And, and uh, you know, the modest and length and all that kind of thing. We didn't let the girls run around in a two piece bathing suit. No, not in my house. Uh uh. We didn't do that. They were very, very modest, extremely modest. And, uh, and, and, and they had on also the, the things over them with sleeves on, the swim uh, shirts, so that they looked very modest. And they didn't show their breasts. And they didn't show clear up to, the, uh, up to, uh, up to well, I'm not going to get into the words, and I'm not going to use some of the words, but you know what I mean. Up, up, up all the way to the uh, cracks of the leg. Yeah, everybody know what I mean, where the leg connects? No, you didn't see that. Not with my kids, you didn't. Not with the boys or the girls, either way. No, I taught them to dress modestly. I said, well, boy, you want to go swim? We'll go swim, but you're going to dress modestly. Now, I found out that after we got there, there were a few there also that did the same thing. Not everybody. Now, there were some of them out there looking looking like they do. huh? They, some of them just look like, look. I mean, they look like they're almost completely naked. Huh? Well, God don't change. His word don't change. But people change, you see. Now, so uh, let's go on uh, to uh, the next thing. Now, what I want to do now is I want to go to 2 Samuel. And y'all that are new in the Lord, if you're new in the Lord, uh, it is in the Old Testament. And if you go, what you know, just go backwards from uh, Proverbs and Psalms. Just keep going backwards. And you'll find Chronicles, you'll find 1st, 2nd Chronicles, you'll find 1st, 2nd Kings. And just keep going and you'll find uh, Samuel, you'll find 1st and 2nd Samuel. So we're going to be in 2nd Samuel and we're going to be in chapter 23. So I'm going to make my way here too. We're going to be in chapter 23. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Now, this here, while I'm, I'm going to talk just for a moment and help you to Give you a little bit of time to find that uh, chapter and verse. And again, it's 2 Samuel chapter 23 and verses 1 and 2 is where we're going to be. But these were the last words that David said before he passed on. And these are some of the words that helped us to understand. Those of you that are Christian, you can, you can know that you can stand on the Word of God. That God's Word is true. That it is not something that is man-made. Now, God certainly used men to write the word that's you know we we understand that but this verse is going to help you to understand that and help me to understand it and uh you know god uses us and, and god used men to write the word of god but it certainly the bible says was god breathed and that means exactly that it was god breathed and so 
Second uh, Samuel chapter 23 and verses 1 and 2, it says, Now these were the last words of David. David, the son of Jesse, said, And the man who was raised up on high, the anointed of, God, of, of the God of Jacob, and the sweet psalmist of Israel said. That's just things that express and explain who David was. And then in verse 2 it says, the Spirit of the Lord, that's a capital S, the Spirit of the Lord spake by me. The Spirit of the Lord spake by me. Huh? And then it says, and his words was in my tongue. You see that? I'm going to read it again. The Spirit, which is a capital S, the Spirit of the Lord, not, not his human spirit. That's not what it's talking about. Not David's spirit, not by the will of David. It says, the Spirit of the Lord spake by me. He used his tongue. He used his mouth. He pressed upon David to write. And he said, and his word, meaning God's, was in my tongue. Amen and hallelujah. And then we're going to go to first, or not first, we're going to go to Second Timothy. I want you to go to uh, 2 Timothy here. And uh, we will go back to uh, the book of Psalm here in a bit. But I want to go to 2 Timothy. Uh, let me see. Hold on a second. I got to get my bearings here. Okay. Uh, so we're going to go to, to uh, from, from 2 Samuel 23. We're going to go to 2 Timothy. And uh, we're going to go to chapter 3, 2 Timothy chapter 3, and that's in the New Testament. Now, for you, y'all that are new, uh, it's in the New Testament. Uh, you're going to, when you find the book of Acts, you find Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Matthew is the first book of the New Testament. But you keep on going, go past the book of Acts, 1st, 2nd Chronicles, or not Chronicles, uh, Corinthians. And then how I memorize the next ones after uh, the book of Corinthians, uh, I said to myself, Gepka. Now, I know that sounds silly, but I, I did like word association, y'all, you know. And uh, so that would be Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. And I kept saying to myself, Gepka, 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 Gepka. And then that way I memorized that. So Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. And then after that, here's First and Second uh, Thessalonians, and then you go to Timothy. But there's two books to Timothy, and the Apostle Paul wrote the, the, that to Timothy. He was his uh, spiritual son. Um, that is the way that the Word of God leads us to understand. And so uh, we're going to go on to chapter three, and then we're going to go on down uh, to verse fifteen. And the reason why I want to read verse 15 is because I want y'all to understand something here that the scripture is saying. So it says in verse 15, it says, And that from a child, he was writing to Timothy and he was talking to Timothy because he knew things about Timothy and he had uh, helped Timothy to grow in the Lord and, and Timothy was going to be a man of God being used uh, as a minister and a pastor, so on and so forth. So he says, And that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures. That's what he said to Timothy. You say, well, okay, so what? Well, a lot of people think that's talking about, they think that Christians had the, the Old Testament and the New Testament all at the same time. No, they did not. 
They did not. All they had was the Old Testament. And that was that way for the first 20 years or so of the church. They took the the uh, Old Testament scriptures and this is how they identified the Messiah. This is how they had identified how to live for God and to serve the Lord and all of these things. And when he was speaking this to Timothy, he was talking to him and he was expressing this, uh, that Timothy had been ra- uh, understood and raised uh, uh, under the, the scriptures of the Old Testament because his mama was a Jew. She was Jewish. She had a Greek father and he had a Jewish mama. And she taught him the ways of the Lord. And when they found out about Jesus, his, his mother and grandmother taught him the ways of the Lord. And so he said, you've known about the scriptures, you know, all your life. You've been taught about the Holy Scriptures. You say, well, what's the point in saying that? Because a lot of people don't understand. You cannot take the Old Testament and toss it in the garbage and, and, and be all right with that. You can't do that. Because the Bible's talking about all scripture is given to us. And so uh, look at uh, the rest of verse 15. He said, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation. Well, he was talking about the Old Testament at the time. Because the New Testament had not been written yet in in the form that we see it now. It had not been canonized in the way that we see it now. uh, Here put together in the Word of God and the Word of God as a whole from Genesis to the book of Revelation as one book. But at that time, he was speaking to him, and he was talking about the Old Testament. He said, he said, he said that the scriptures. He said, you've known them since you were a child. He said, which was able to make thee wise unto salvation. He said it was to help you understand. You could understand through the Old Testament how to be saved, how it is to be saved through faith, because Abraham was uh, he was the father of the faithful. But did Abraham uh, do the works? Of, of faith absolutely he did and then uh, he goes on to say he said now he said which is uh, in Christ Jesus and he said so even through the Old Testament we can learn and know who Jesus is we could under uh, we could identify him through the Old Testament y'all come on now where we could identify the Lord through the Old Testament. This is what the Apostle Paul was saying, and this is exactly what the apostles did. This is how, when Jesus came on the scene, they knew who he was because of the Scriptures. Amen and hallelujah. And then it goes on to say in verses 16 and 17, it says, all Scripture. Now, this is including, it is uh, also prophetic, if you will, of uh, including all of the New Testament Scripture that would come about because we've seen in the scripture where Peter even referred to the Apostle Paul's writing as being scripture as well. So it says all scripture, those that we're following right now, because all we got right now, Timothy, is the Old Testament, but there's going to be uh, other scriptures that are going to come along that are going to be written in the letters to the churches and all of that that we have. Thank God for those things. But he said all scripture is given by inspiration of God. That word inspiration means God breathed. Now as I speak to you right now, and I'm talking to you, and anybody else is talking. You put your hand up to your faith, and you face, and you tell me that you can't see and feel your breath speaking as your words come out. Your breath, you can feel it on your hands when you're talking. I know you can. And so this is what happened. They were moved. They were so pressed by the word of God. They were so moved by the word of God that they could not stop but write. And yes, God used them to write, but it was by the God-breathed word that came to them. And they wrote. And this is what we've got now. 
So you can trust, as David said, his word was on his tongue. And now the Apostle Paul is saying all scripture is given by the inspiration or by the breath of the Almighty God himself. And what's the word of God going to do? Well, it's going to do this. And some people might be saying, I thought we were going to talk about things God hates. I told you we were going to set up uh, the foundation of that. Didn't I tell you that? I know I did. I can play the tape back. I know I said that. You say, well, this has already gone over an hour. Well, it might go on for another hour. I don't know. But I'm just trying to get you the word out as much as I can today. Before we get in there, I want to set the foundation. The foundation might be a little bit long. You want to cut it off? Well, cut it off. You don't want to listen? That's fine. I'm not going to force nobody to listen. But if you want to listen, let's go along and let's listen to the word of God. Hallelujah. All scripture is given the inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine. You know what the word doctrine means? It means teaching. Then it says, and for reproof. You know what the word reproof means? It, it means proof. It means to repeat proof over and over. You, you've got proof. Amen. There's plenty of proof that Jesus rose from the dead. Don't listen to none of them liars that are telling you anything different. Don't go to those colleges and listen to the liars that don't know what they're talking about. Jesus rose from the dead. And there's proof that Jesus rose from the dead. There were more than 500 people that saw him at the same time, alive after he had died. And don't sit there and listen to those liars and say, oh, he didn't die. He just got, you know, he was beat uh, half to death, but he didn't die, blah, blah, blah. The Bible don't teach that. That man died. And there was plenty of doctors that have looked at exactly what Jesus went through. They took the scriptures and looked at it and they said, there's no way that man could have lived. There are people in this day and age we live in that look at that. Medical doctors look and they said, no, that man had to have died. What he went through, he had to have died. There was no way for him not to. So Jesus died. Don't listen to the liars because see, the liars are moved by the devil. Oh yeah. The liars are moved by the devil. Anybody that says God's word is not God's word, you're a liar. You're a liar. And, and your father is the devil. That's what Jesus said. That's what he said. Amen. Hallelujah. And you don't want to listen to the devils. No, you don't want to listen to them. So if you're going to college and you're a Christian, you better understand something. God's word is true. And you can stand on the word of God. And you can believe and trust that God's word is right and it's real and it's here and it's for you even in this generation that we live in. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. And so, now, it says that it's profitable for doctrine or teaching. It's profitable for proof or reproof. And it's profitable for correction. Why would it say correction if we don't need to be corrected? Come on now. And then the other thing is for instruction in righteousness. Why in the world would we need instruction in righteousness if it's okay to just live however you want? Come on now. Come on, people. You know that's not true. You know full well you can't live however you want if the scripture is saying that the word of God... <coughs> is given to us as instruction in righteousness. In other words, it's teaching us how to walk right. Amen. That's what that means. It means the word of God's going to teach us. And don't you know he was talking about the Old Testament at that moment in time. Now he's including, he said, all scripture. So he's going to include the, the, the New Testament in it as well. But don't sit there and take the Old Testament and split your Bible in half and say, I don't need to listen to that. I'm just listening to this. Because he said, no, that ain't true. Because if you do that, you're a liar. You're a false teacher. You're a hypocrite. And you, if you're a preacher, a teacher, and that's what you're teaching, you are absolutely, absolutely,
absolutely a false teacher. You're absolutely a liar and you are not true to what God says is a real man or woman of God. Oh, no, you're not. Because you've got to take the whole word of God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. And then in verse 17, it says that the man, this is the reason why we need the word of God. This is the reason why we need the word of God to correct us and instruct us in righteousness and teach us about the word of God and, and to give us proof in the word of God so that we, when people come out, oh, you ain't got no proof. Oh, I got plenty of proof. Yeah, you may not want to believe the truth, but I got the truth. And, and you may not want to believe the proof I've got, but I got proof whether you like it or not. Huh? Because some people aren't going to like the proof. Well, that's not my problem. That's your problem. Because if I tell you that Jesus rose from the dead, and I got proof in the word of God to say, look, right here, there were over 500 people that saw him alive. Then it's up to you to accept it. That's not going to be my problem. Because your blood is going to be off my hands. And your blood is going to be off of anybody else's hands. That say, look, this is the proof. You don't want to believe it. You Christians, stop being so, they won't believe. You can't do that. Get up and stand up and be strong in the Lord. God has given us proof. God has given us a word. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And you've got the truth. And you're going to stand on it. And walk with God and believe the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you. Woo! Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. My God. Hallelujah. And so verse 17, it says that the man of God, this is the reason why we need the word of God, that the man of God may be perfect. That word means complete. Hallelujah. We need the word of God to teach us how to be complete. Oh, thank you, Jesus. And then it goes on to say this. It says thoroughly furnished. Have you ever seen a house that's not furnished? Huh? You ain't got nowhere to sit. You ain't got no bed to lay in. You ain't got no table to sit nothing on. That's an unfurnished house. But God says he's going to thoroughly furnish us. And for what? Unto all good works. That's what it says. Unto all good works. So if good works don't make no difference, then tell me why that's in the Bible. You're just a lying false teacher. That's what you are. Now, let's move on. All right, thank you. I'm so glad that God's word is true. I'm so glad that I can stand on the word. I don't have to worry about it. I know the truth. I know what God said in the word. I can stand on it and believe it. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. All right, so we say we were going to go back to the book of Psalm. You say, well, you just go on and on, don't you? Yeah, yes, I do. So Psalm chapter 5. And where you got to go anywhere? Anyway, I mean, come on. You can't take like an hour and a half. I mean, I'll probably be done here in a few minutes. But you can't take an hour and a half to, to listen to God's word. I mean, I ain't nobody, but I'm, I'm just saying. Either listen to mine or some other preacher or whatever. Well, why can't you take a little time? What is, what is that? What's, what skin off of your nose is that? Huh? Come on now. And so, let's say Psalm chapter 5 and verse 5. What does it say? This is what it says. The foolish shall not, you hear that? The foolish shall not stand in thy sight. It's talking about God. The foolish aren't going to stand in God's sight. Oh, no, 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 no. And then it goes on to say, Thou hatest all workers of iniquity. Now it's changed and shifted. You say, what do you mean? 
Well, because the Lord was talking about in one verse where he hates sin. Remember the one with arrogancy and pride and, and the forward mouth. God hates those things. Well, those are directed towards the sin. But here, God says the foolish shall not stand in his sight. Hmm. He didn't say their sin ain't going to stand in his sight. He said, you're not going to stand in my sight. He said, you want, in other words, have you ever heard, get, get, out of, get, get out of my sight. I don't want, I, I, oh, yes. I've said that to a couple people over in my lifetime. I sure have. I've said, I said, don't. I said, you know what? You need to just get out of my sight right now. I said, because you, you, you're not right. Your words are not right. I said, you need to just get on. And I've, I've said that a couple of times to, to my kids. I've had nine kids and you know, some, uh, you know, you know, I don't care what anybody say. If you tell me that I don't know when my kids are lying, I'm going to tell you, you, well, you ain't never been a parent because sometimes you know when your kids are lying. And I would tell them, I'd say, look, you know what the Bible says about lying. He said, all lies are going to have the part in the lake of fire. You're going to keep on lying to me. I'm going to tell you right now, I, I don't want you, right now you, you get me upset and I don't want you in my sight. I said, so you go on, go on until you can tell me the truth. You know, you uh, don't, don't sit there and lie to me because I don't want to be lied. I don't want to be lied to. Well, God don't want to be lied to either. And God don't lie himself. And he says the foolish aren't going to stand in his sight. Well, look what else he says. He says, thou hatest all workers of iniquity. Well, guess what? This came out of the mouth of uh, David. Uh, didn't David uh, say in his word? And didn't, didn't we see in 2 Samuel? What, what did he say? He said, your words are on my tongue. Because God used men to write the word of God. He used them and he anointed them and he moved on them by the Holy Ghost power. And they could do nothing but obey and write what God said. And so he said, thou hatest all workers of iniquity. Now it's shifted to the not just the sin that the person commits. Because I hear people say, oh, God hates the sin, but he loves the sinner. Let me explain something to you. <clears throat> This scripture says, in no uncertain terms, God hates the workers of iniquity. So you're going to keep on sinning. Workers, it means you keep repeating it and repeating it, and you won't repent. You refuse. And God hates that. And he hates the person that does it. You say, well, the Bible says uh, in John 3, 16, for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, you know, that's the first thing people want to, because you don't know the Word of God. Let me explain something to you about God. God has the ability to do two things at the same time that you and I cannot do. And that is that God has the ability to love us and hate us at the exact same time because He's God. But you and I, we don't have that ability. And that's the reason why that God said for us that we have to even love our enemies because we do not have the ability to do what God can do, where he can fully hate us and fully love us at the same time. Because if we are workers of iniquity, the Bible says he hates us. Now, that's his word. I'm sorry if you don't like it and you can go chew on your celery or whatever you're going to do to, you know, you're going to get all mad and I can't stand that preacher. Well, quit listening to me then. Turn it off. Go listen, to, go listen to the preachers that are the ones that, you know, the Bible talks about the ones with the itching ears. Go ahead and go listen to them. Let them lie to you. You'll be happy with that, won't you? Huh? Or are you going to repent? Because the Bible says that God hates workers of iniquity. So God is able. You and I are not equipped to fully hate 
those that sin and fully love them to send your only begotten son. We don't have that ability, but God does. And so that's why he tells us, he said, I'm not going to let you be in that position that I am where I can fully hate and fully love at the same time because you are human and you're going to mess that up because we are fallen people. Now, Adam, before he fell, that may have been possible with him. But then there would have been no need to hate workers of iniquity because if he had not fallen, there would be no sin. You see, you get it? But once we fail, we are too broken to be able to function under that. But God sees everything. He sees the end to the beginning. So this is the reason why God made a plan. He made a plan and he made a way for us to be saved before the world even began, before even the foundations were put here. That's what the Word of God says, you see. And so God is able to fully hate the sinner and fully love them to want them to be saved. But you and I cannot do that. So he gives us instruction. And our instruction is to love our enemy. And I've already said enough at the beginning of this podcast about what went on yesterday. We need to love those that it's hard but listen, don't go hating this woman's parents. Don't go doing that. If you're a Christian, don't go hating her parents. Because even if you look at them as your enemy, no, he says to love your enemy. Now, that's if you're going to follow the Lord. And he said, if you don't do that, if you don't, if you don't forgive, let's say that we find out uh, something that may have led certain things in a certain way, as we have with some. I'm not saying we would. I certainly would never, ever do that because I don't know these people. I don't know anything. I know they were sending their daughter to a Christian school. I know that they had to have been paying a, a huge amount of money uh, per year for this child to go there. So uh, for all accounts, it, it, it seems as though that they were wanting their daughter to understand and know the Word of God. And so that's what we know. And so that's all we can go with right now. But, you know, the thing of it is, even if there were some things that were come out in the woodwork you know i mean you just never know i don't know but don't go assuming that that's what's going to happen right now we need to let the people grieve praying for them praying for god to help them and it could be these people are the most loving godly people you don't know these people don't go judging them don't go you know because immediately that's what people want to do but if you're a christian i'm talking to the christians because the worldly if anybody's worldly listening to this and you've not accepted the lord jesus christ or if you've accepted him on the terms that you can do whatever you want i'm not even talking to you anyway because you're going to meet god and jesus has already talked about those that called his name and said oh yeah i did this in your name lord and i did that he said but because of your iniquity i don't know you and you're going to go to hell that's not my words that's jesus so deal with it Go repent. If you feel guilty, go repent because that's what you need to do because guilt is brought on. Uh, God gives us that feeling to repent because of the guilt that comes about us. If you don't believe that, read chapter 2 in the book of Acts because they were pricked in their heart at the message that Peter gave. And that word pricked in their heart, that means they felt this pain inside them. They felt guilty for putting Jesus on the cross. Hmm? And you should feel guilty if you've immediately ran to judgment over these parents. Don't you dare do that. But at the same time, does that minimize the, just the, the overwhelming pain that these parents that have lost these children, or maybe their children are in the hospital, some of the children have been shot and they, they have passed, and they're suffering, they're hurt. Don't you know these children, they, they're scared to death. 
uh, any of these other ones that they they knew them and they were their friends and they know their friends were shot and they know their friends died they know their teachers or whoever they know the janitor died maybe the janitor was a nice guy you know and 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 all they know is that these people died and they're little kids and 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 you've got to have compassion you've got to have love you got to have care but don't forget you've got to be the same way to these this woman's parents and I know some people, it's, it, it, it's going to be very hard to hear that. But we've got to do that, folks. We've really got to show love and concern. Now, the Bible says, let the dead bury the dead. You can't go praying for the dead. And I know some people, they don't like hearing that either. But you can't go praying for the dead. They're dead. You can't pray for the dead, so... I say that because some people say, well, uh, I'll, I'll pray for her soul to get out of purgatory, whatever. There's no such thing. The Bible don't teach that. That's a lie made up by the devil. It's not in the Word of God. There is no such thing. So don't even go there. It's a waste of your time. Now, I'm going to finish this up. Chapter 97 of the book of Psalms. Chapter 97 of the book of Psalm. And uh, we're going to go to verse 10. And it says, Ye that love the Lord hate evil. He preserveth the souls of his saints. He's not going to preserve the soul of those that are not his saints. And the only ones that are his saints are those that have uh, repented of their sins and accept the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior. And you're living uh, the, the life that God is guiding you and directing you to live uh, as the Holy God of Israel will do in His Holy Word. And we will learn, as we did in the, uh, in the book of Timothy, how that the Word is going to instruct us and guide us and correct us and, and it's going to instruct us in righteousness and all those things. So you're learning those things. If you're refusing those things, then I doubt very seriously if you ever accepted the Lord anyway. You're a fake and a phony and a hypocrite and you need to still repent. But the other thing is, it says that He preserves the souls of His saints. Don't keep running around saying, I'm a sinner saved by grace. That is not even Bible. That is not even Bible. Because if you are saved, you a saint, you see. The sinner is the one that's not saved. Amen. Now, you may have been a sinner. Well, you were. We all were. The Bible says we all sin and come short of the glory of God. So we've all been a sinner. But I'm, I'm saying that... But you could still be a sinner is what I'm trying to say. I guess is what I'm trying to say. Because if you've not repented, then you're still a sinner. But if you've repented of your sins and you say, Lord, I need you to walk with me. You say, well, I'm not perfect. I guess I'm sick and tired of people talking like that. Don't you know you're perfect in Jesus Christ? Don't you know that the Lord guides you and leads you? God is going to give you everything that you need in order to be fully furnished to good works. That's what we just read. So take all of that lying preaching and teaching that don't tell the truth and throw it out the window. Go find your preacher that's going to tell the truth. Amen. And start living for God. All right, so he says here, Ye that love the Lord hate evil. He preserveth the soul of his saints. He delivereth them out of the hand of the wicked. You say, well, I've known people that if they died at the hands of the wicked and they were godly people. 
uh, well, if they were godly people, then guess what? He took them out of the hands of the wicked because they would be in heaven if they are truly uh, truly were walking with the Lord. So don't sit there and, and give me that story because if they were serving God, whatever happens on this earth is going to happen on this earth. You know, the Bible says that men's hearts are going to wax worse and worse. We know that. We know that those things happen. We know that there's wickedness in this world. We know that there's ungodliness in this world. But we have got to get our mind understanding one thing. If you're going to be saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost, if you're going to be living for the Lord and you're letting God's Word guide you, that is a whole different issue than a sinner that is, what does he say, workers of iniquity, because they just continue to do this. And maybe, uh, let's say, let's say you, uh, you you slipped and you said something you shouldn't have said, or you slipped and you did something you shouldn't have done, and you knew you didn't, and you felt the conviction of the Holy Ghost. Then the Bible says you got an advocate with the Father. Go talk to him and say, Lord, I'm sorry, and mean that, and repent, and turn, and keep moving, keep walking with the Lord. Don't let the devil drag you down. Just get up and keep moving in Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. And so with that said, Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. That's why we got to love our enemy because it was a commandment of the Lord. He also said that we've got to love the Lord with all of our hearts, all of our mind, all of our soul. And that includes hating evil. We've got to hate evil. We can't glorify evil. We can't be happy about evil. We've got to literally allow God to change us from the inside out. And with that said, I want to encourage you that if you do not have the baptism of the Holy Ghost, God wants to baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire. God wants to give you the Holy Ghost. And the Bible tells us that there is uh, this evidence that comes. It is the speaking of tongues. Now, you're not going to give the tongues. God will do that himself. So if you're going to be faking tongues, guess what? That's, that's not even God. Can the devil cause somebody, some people to speak in tongues? Sure enough, he can do that. But the Bible lets you know that you're going to know them by their fruits. So if they are wicked and evil after that so-called speaking in tongues, then that means that they that was not even that was from the devil. That wasn't from the Lord. But you get somebody that's actually baptized with the Holy Ghost, speaking in tongues, and God's Spirit has come to them, and they've been filled with the Holy Ghost, and they stay full of the Holy Ghost, stay full of the Holy Ghost, then you're going to see fruits that come from from that Spirit of God inside them. So with that said, let's pray for these families that are dealing with this grief and all of this community that are struggling uh, with what has happened yesterday. Dear Lord, we just come to you right now and we come to you with, with sadness in our heart. We come to you with a mourning in our soul. You, Lord, because there are those that are dealing with their child not coming to the dinner table, their child not being there for breakfast, their child not in the room getting ready for school because they've lost their child at the hands of a wicked person, of a wicked woman, somebody that would not turn to the Lord. Now, merciful God, I pray that you would help the mother and father of even the daughter that did this killing. Lord, Help them themselves to get through this. And I pray, God, that they would not be slammed with wicked words said to them or evil said to them or ungodliness said to them. That people will love and show true, true love from uh, their heart to you, those that walk with you. Lord, we know the world is just a mean and hateful uh, group of people. But, Lord, we also know that those who really uh, serve you and really walk with you that they're going to be loving and kind and caring.
And so, Lord, um, I ask you, God, to just help everybody involved. Lord, this is such a tragic thing that America keeps going through over and over and over because they have literally taken you and thrown you away. They've taken your word and thrown your word out. And so many Christians, even so, they've picked through the word of God, just pick and choose, pick and choose. And they won't take the whole word of God and allow themselves to be moved and taught and to be living by your whole word. So, dear God, I pray, Jesus, that you would just help us, help us to get through this. But especially, God, let your spirit of comfort go to these families that are grieving so heavily tonight. And God, comfort them, help them, help them through this because it is a pain that cannot be explained. And especially if your child is taken out in such a violent way, it's just so difficult to process. So dear God, please help them. Please comfort them. And God, please comfort the mother and father of the killer as well. God, please comfort them and please help them. They need your comfort. All the people involved, God, they need your help. <laughs> they need your help, Lord. <laughs> and please, my God, <laughs> merciful Jesus, <laughs> help our country. Lord, we just keep going through this over and over. We need your help. We need you. We need you, Lord. We need you, Jesus. We need you to help us. Please help us, God. We need people, God, to turn to you. We need people, Lord, to repent. And we need, Lord, people, God, to give their lives over to you so this violence will stop, Lord. Because, God, it's not about anything but the fact that people's lives are lost and they're, <laughs> they're, they're just lost in sin, God, and they need you. Merciful God. Mercy have mercy. In Jesus' name, we pray. May God keep you in Jesus' name.